Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Walls. Today is a special day. It's Tuesday, and on the Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday. Each week, we get the chance to dial in our members from all around the world who share with us some of the important things that we need to know when we do business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're learning more about doing business in Taiwan. I'm pleased to welcome to the show Elva Chong. Elva is a senior associate at Lead Sai and Partners. Elva, I'm excited to have you in here and tell us about Taiwan. So let's get started. Tell us a bit about the general overview of Taiwan, the economy, the population, things we need to know about the government. Fill us in if you would. Okay, thank you, Peter. First, I would like to let everyone know that Taiwan is a country situated in the West Pacific between Japan and Philippines. But many people are prone to confusing Thailand with Taiwan. Even so, Taiwan and Thailand sound alike. They are two different countries. Lots of people mix them up. But Thailand is quite different from Taiwan in its culture and religions. For example, Taiwan has presidential systems, while Thailand has a monarchy. Taiwan's major urban hubs are mainly situated in the western part of the island. As for the population structures, even though there's a shift toward an older demography, there are still roughly 70% of Taiwan's overall populations remain in the working age range. Also, our country has a relatively low unemployment rate when compared to most other countries. And in 2023, I think our unemployment rate was around about 3.4%. And our official language is Mandarin Chinese. Besides, Taiwanese is also widely spoken in the island. While Chinese is the official language, but you will find that a unique linguistic landscape that English is also spoken by around 30% of populations as the second languages. Many Taiwanese people do speak some English, particularly those in tourism industry or who work with the international companies. As for our government systems, as I mentioned, we adopt a presidential systems. The president serves as the head of the country and as such, it grants specific constitutional powers to conduct the national affairs. Also, the executive yuan in Taiwan has the highest executive branch, comprising 15 ministries, including the Ministry of the Labor. And our legal system is based on civil law. The Taiwan legal and penal system is quite different from the United States that you were familiar with. We have a codified system of law. And the code of law are traditionally drawn from other countries with similar codified legal systems like Japan, Germany, and from traditional Chinese. Our court system has three levels, the district courts, the high courts, and the Supreme courts. These courts have jurisdiction over both civil, criminal, and administrative cases. The district courts are generally the court for the first instance. So generally, Taiwan doesn't adopt a jury system. In most civil cases, our trial process is adversarial in nature, and the courts may only render decisions based on the claim and evidence submitted by the parties. And I think the overall economic of Taiwan in this year is promising. Uh, we are a global leader in manufacturing products for the information technology sector, 
And the economic of the country relies heavily on the exports of high-tech and consumer goods. Also, the recent impact of the novel coronavirus have brought significant change to the global industry trend. I think companies have begun adjusting their global strategy, including Taiwanese business expanding their investment back from China and back from U.S. to Taiwan. I think the overall economic of Taiwan is quite uh, promising and positive. And I hope that my previous overview of Taiwan helped all of you to gain a preliminary understanding of our countries. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I never really thought, I, I know the difference between Taiwan and Thailand, but it didn't occur <laughs> to me that, you know, if you don't look at the spelling, people might think, oh, they're the same place or they're a part of the same place. And yet for a small island to have only 3.4% unemployment, 70% of the population is still in the workforce. And for an island being a global leader in something as important as tech is extremely impressive. And, you know, we know from the business that we do here in the U.S. with all the companies and the microprocessors and the chips that are manufactured in your country, it's a phenomenal place and certainly a place where the world is doing a lot of business. Let's focus again, if we can, on some of those specific industries in Taiwan. I know you said high tech, but let's drill in a little further. What types of high tech and are there other areas as well? Well, sure. I think everyone already knows about the stocks from Taiwan, like Acer's laptop, Giant's bikes, and more. Indeed, our country was the world's the 70th largest exporter of merchandise, and Taiwan is the world's largest supplier of computer chip manufacturing and is a leading LCD panel manufacturer, networking equipment, and consumer electronic manufacturers. And our major hardware company include TSMC, Acer, Asus, and Foxconn. For instance, like Apple relies heavily on TSMC for the chip manufacturing. Also, our country leads in advanced electronics equipment, including the service industry and the advanced chip. And Taiwan plays a really crucial role in, also in global high-tech supply chain. Since we possess a highly skilled workforce in high-tech industry like semiconductor technology, 5G communications, artificial intelligence, and the manufacturing sectors of the IoT, I think we have a growing software and IT service industry as well, with the focus on the innovatives in software development, like cloud computing, AI, and, and so on, yeah. We have been fostering a supported environment for blockchain and cryptocurrency-related business recent year as well. And we also host a various high-tech events, including the Taipei Blockchain, Computex Taipei, and the optoelectronics exhibits. Yes, I think the foreigner company was growing interest and investment in those innovative technology in Taiwan. So let's talk about the employment locally there. And I know I know you're exporting a tremendous amount of materials around the globe. You're the leader in the chip business in the entire world. So you're sending a lot out. But how does a company, when they want to employ people in Taiwan, they're a manufacturer, they want to leverage that expertise and that high-skilled workforce that you have, what are some of the key issues with regarding employment that we need to know about when we're employing people in Taiwan? The Labor Standard Act applies to all the Taiwanese employees and most foreigner employees working in Taiwan. The LSA, the Labor Standard Act, 
also applies to Taiwan employee working abroad for Taiwanese employer. So as a general rule, the LSA cares about any employment relationship in Taiwan. According to the present court case, in the scenario where an individual renders services as an employee in the territory of Taiwan, the courts tend to apply that LSA should be applicable to this employment relationship. Despite the party may have agreed in their employment agreement that the agreement should be governed by the law of foreign country, but the LSA still governs this kind of employment relationship. As long as the courts determine that the employment relationship should be governed by the LSA, then the employee will be protected by the minimum standard of the employment terms and conditions on the LSA. So in simple terms, any agreement related to the employment relationship that doesn't meet the standards set by the law won't be valid. So here is an important takeaway for all of you that employment in Taiwan is not an at-will employment relationship. For example, if the company like to terminate the relationship with the individual, there must be a good cause under the Labor Standard Act. There is no concept of unfair dismissal in Taiwan. Employee who believe that they have been dismissed unfairly, they will initiate a mediation through their local labor departments or the courts. And any termination without stationary good cause is considered void. Employee can claim the reinstatement and the back pay. And next, I would like to talk about a little idea about the labor union in Taiwan, that unions are organization that brings the worker together. And after all, we all know that work together, you are stronger. Sometimes an individual worker may not have that much power to stand up to an employer, but together through the union, they have got a stronger voice. That's why Taiwan law protects the workers' rights to join and form the unions. So to start a union, you need to at least 30 workers signing up together. Also, the law makes it clear that employer cannot treat workers unfairly for being a union or participate with the union's formation or activities. But you must be very curious about if workers are required or mandatory to join a union in Taiwan. In Taiwan, there are three types of union. First, the corporate union the industrial union, and the professional labor union. The law doesn't require any employee to join any industrial and professional labor union. And even though the law says corporate union can be mandatory, they aren't penalty for breaking the rule. So in practice, the courts often see the mandatory membership in corporate union as more a, a guideline than a strict requirement. And based on our observation, we found out that most Taiwan companies do not have a union. I think this is quite different from those countries in the European. However, I would like to remind that the employer are required to convene a labor management conference each year. So a regular conference should be convened at least once every three months. And the special meeting may be convened whenever necessary. And some of the employment matters require to be convened the LMC to get approval, like 
whether the employer can request the employee to work overtime or whether they can ask the female employee working between 10 p.m. and the 6 a.m. to till the next day, the 6 a.m. And whether the company can conduct a flexible working hours, which means that asking their employee to work shift or more than five days a week and so on. So I think the LMC in Taiwan is much more important than the, the unions. Interesting. So when you talked about professional labor unions, are you talking about office workers or are you talking about professional staff, you know, salespeople, marketing people, business managers or executives? It's only at the labor level where they are either paid on an hourly basis and they're working on that basis that they're qualifying for a labor. You don't have any unions of people that are more on a salary basis or on a management level basis. Is that correct or no? Most of the Taiwan company don't have that kind of union, but some kind, some in some industry like the airplane industry. I think I think in some of the special industry, uh, for the insurance industry, they do have a strong unions, but it's not the general kind of things in Taiwan. Okay, so would you say that based on the business climate, and again, big export lots of structure and infrastructure around fairness in the workplace. Would you say that Taiwan has a climate that leans more towards pro-business or is it more of a pro-employee jurisdiction? What do you think? I think it really depends on the perspectives. Like Taiwan do have a robust legal framework protecting the workers' rights, including the regulations on working hours, the wages and working environment safety standards. Unlike the U.S., we don't have the at-will employment. Taiwan requires a valid reason to dismiss an employee. Without the valid reasons, unfair dismissal is not allowed by the law. So in this aspect, I think Taiwan clearly offers more protection to employees compared to the U.S. But in terms of the stationary holiday, the public holiday, apart from the guarantees workers for two days weekends, which is norm in almost all the country, I think that Taiwan's legal requirement for annual paid stationary holiday is less than 20 days. I think there have been reports indicating that Taiwan is one of the least generous countries globally in terms of the public holidays. And compared to those European countries that often have extended leave up to 14 days, I think Taiwan seems to be more favorable to employers in this aspect. Also, considering Taiwan government's policy that our government do encourage business growth, innovation, and foreigner investment, Taiwan's high-quality manpower and overall labor costs in Taiwan are relatively low, I think, compared to most American countries. For example, our basic wage is around 27,000 new Taiwan dollars per month. I think it's not very high. So I believe that Taiwan's overall business environment remains highly competitive for many foreign companies. So you said 27,000 Taiwan dollars per month. How does that correlate to the U.S. dollar? Because we don't have a sense of the Taiwan dollar. I think will be 1,000 U.S. dollars per month. Oh, wow. So 1,000 U.S. dollars equals 27,000 Taiwanese dollars. Yes. 
So, Alva, this has been very interesting. I mean, a dynamic market, really pro-business, but yet lots of protections for employees, strong workforce, relatively uh, cost-effective considering some of the high costs in other markets. So let's talk about the prospects for cross-border opportunities in Taiwan. Are immigration standards difficult or easy? Or uh, give me a sense of that, if you would. Taiwan's immigration standards involve various visa categories based on the purpose like work visa, study visa, investment visa, tourism visa. So the standard is varied from different types of visa. Generally, a foreigner seeking employment in Taiwan need their employer to apply to the Ministry of Labor for a work permit before obtaining a work visa and their resident visa in Taiwan. So in Taiwan, it's comparatively easier for employer to hire a white-collar foreigner workers than a blue-collar ones. I think it is because our government, to a certain extent, aims to protect the local blue-collar employment. Therefore, hiring the blue-collar foreigner workers involves stricter criteria and requirements. For example, the employer must go through a specific process to demonstrate that they cannot recruit enough local workers in Taiwan before they are allowed to hire blue-collar foreigner workers. Although employer hiring white-collar foreigner workers don't have to meet the aforementioned requirements, they still need to fulfill specific capital requirements to apply for a work permit for those foreign employees. And for example, if a company is going to hire a foreigner worker as a manager of its Taiwan branch, the minimum pay in capital should be 500,000 new Taiwanese dollars. And if Taiwan branch intend to employ other foreign nations like serving as a specialized or technical work, the required minimum working capital is around 5 million new Taiwanese dollars. But I think Taiwan government has been making their efforts to attract the foreign talents. So recent year, Taiwan government offered a specific visa like the employment gold card to streamline the immigration process for the highly skilled professionals. The employment goal cards combines a work permit, resident visa, alien resident certificate, and the uh, re-entry permits. So individuals with special expertise in like technology, economic, education, law, finance can apply for this gold card. And the holder of the employment gold card are entitled to various legal benefits, including the job velocity and expanded entry and the tax advantage. So the period of the card can be up to around three years with the possibility of applications or extend the, the periods of the before the expirations. And as I know that in the end of the November 2023, Taiwan National Immigration has issued over 8,000 employment gold cards to foreign workers in Taiwan. So overall, I think Taiwan is a promising hub for cross-border business opportunities, especially for those who are seeking to expand their footprint in Asia. And Taiwan's vibrant culture and lifestyle provide an attractive proposition for foreign employees. Fantastic. Well, you know, I've never been to Taiwan and I've never been to Thailand either, but I know the difference. So that's for sure. But what a fascinating 
conversation and it's such a dynamic marketplace that we rely on around the world to provide such information and such great products. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for your time today, Elva. Thanks, Peter. And if you come to Taiwan, you can try some delicious food in Taiwan. Yes, we got a lot of delicious food and the warm weather. I bet that you will like the country. I will certainly give that a try. Thanks. If you'd like to connect with Elva, you can find her bio by clicking on her name in the description of this podcast. Also visit www.ela.law to receive invitations for upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from the online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.